Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the show. On this episode of the podcast, we will be discussing everything J&B Scotch. We'll go through the history of the distillery, current news, and of course, our personal favorite aspect of the show, the tasting. With me, as always, is my intrepid and brilliant co-host, Andy Kleschik. Andy, how you doing today? Doing really good. Uh, you know, getting prepped to watch the uh, Indy 500 this weekend, so, you know, going to have some fun watching that and relaxing. For sure. And we're, uh, we're going to have some fun... Talking about this scotch here as well. Uh, JMB Scotch, of course, is the one we're doing, as I mentioned in the intro. I'm going to go ahead and pour up a couple whiskeys here. And Andy, while I do that, why don't you go ahead and tell the folks out there everything they need to know about JMB Scotch? Of course. So, this is one founded actually initially in 1749 uh, in Scotland, by, or actually in London, um, by Giacomo Giustarini and George Johnson. Um, Justerini was the distiller and Johnson was the investor. Um, initially, the way they had founded the um, brand was they had founded it as, a, again, like uh, Shivas last week, as a, a wine and spirits merchant company. Um, so it's kind of popular back in the day in Scotland and England to do it that way. Um, so, where you would, at least for blended scotches, where you would open up your own wine experience merchant company and then event, kind of make your uh, way into actually the distil- distilling slash blending um, of scotches into a product um, that you would sell under your own name. And uh, about 100 years later, um, the Johnson family sold their interest um, in the company to Alfred Brooks in 1831. Uh, and this is where kind of the initial name for J&B Scotch was born. Because initially it was just Reedy and Johnson um, company. But then they eventually renamed it once uh, Brooks took over Johnson's share to just Reedy and Brooks or J&B. Um, and this, it was around this time in 1831 that they officially established their uh, headquarters in Regent's Park there in London with a New York City office opening later, about 35 years later in 1866. Um, And again, much like Shivas Regal last uh, week that we covered, since 1860 they also have earned royal warrants to provide liquors to the British royal family as a brand. Seems to kind of be a trend for a lot of them. I don't know how much any of them um, actually continue to provide their spirits to sure. the royal family, but they at least for a time uh, since 1760 uh, earned the royal warrant. Um, but before they actually did like focus solely on the scotch um, or primarily on the scotch. Um, you know, being wine spirits merchants, they procured wines and then other spirits on top of scotches from numerous countries to sell around the world. Um, initially, of course, this was a lot of like the most famous products were wines, but um, slowly, like J and B has kind of taken over. I think, at least for in my experience, being like the most famous of all the ones that they procure and sell worldwide, and it's something that. 
um, I think this is the only. They just have the one product that they um, blend and sell. Just their regular J and B um, scotch, blended scotch. As far as I can find on the internet and everything, that's the only one that they have. But um, in it, I think this is by volume the biggest one that they sell. And it's a blend of 42 different malt and grain scotch whiskeys. Um, so that's mostly everything about the brand. Of course, they um, probably one of the most famous media nods that they have is um, if for anyone that's watched American Psycho, uh, Christian Bale's character in it, Patrick Bateman, that was his drink of choice in American Psycho, nice. the movie. <laughs> yeah, I've seen it in a few things. Like I've seen it in How I Met Your Mother. They're not yeah. like advertising it or anything, but it's like on the shelf, like the yeah. first episode. So, yeah, it's definitely a more like well-known one. Even though I think sometimes people give it a little bit of crap. Uh, even when I yeah. bought this at the liquor store, my friend who works there and who knows me very well, I just kind of couldn't believe I was buying this. I told him yeah. it's like it's a scotch. It's on the list of ones we want to do, and yeah. well, we're gonna do try it. it. It's well known enough that we're gonna try it. So yeah. here we are. But uh, I have to say, price point in based on his reaction. I'm not. I don't have super high expectations, um, but it's funny because he was talking about how it was it used to be very, very popular. Like for this yeah. price point of a scotch, this was only twenty dollars. So at this price point of a scotch, he said it used to be purchased very frequently, and he says now it's really not very common anymore. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to to, to see. So get your guys uh, self a glass of the J and B Scotch whiskey poured, so you can join us in the tasting. As always, uh, we're going to start with the nose. Okay. Like, kind of like like grain notes, like yeah, in it maybe some plum in there for me. Um, <clears throat> I definitely get the grain. Yeah, um, I definitely get just kind of the smoky peatiness that you get in a lot of scotches. Like this is some a, level of that like it's, smokiness. It's, it's not in crazy it for me. like some of the you know like the Lagavulin or anything, but like I definitely think you smell this and you know it's a you know it's a scotch. Oh yeah. So I definitely think it's. Um, Kind of not not too complex as you mentioned, but I'd, obviously worth a try. Let's yeah. let's give it a taste now. Cheers. Cheers. Yeah, not super complex. It's relatively smooth. Yeah, a longer finish, I would say, than the the uh, you know the the the, the what, Shivas we tried yeah, last week. Yeah, we had last week. Yeah. So, Simil- a lot of similar flavors, though, I would say. It's, yeah. It's not super peaty on the palate, though. Oh, no. Like, it's still, it's very, for me, it's very, like, grain-forward. Yeah, yeah. Like, biscuit-forward for me. Um, but, agree. again, like you said, it's, like, it's not a very complex scotch. I mean, it's something of, I guess for the price point, it's, like, kind of, for the flavors you get on the nose and the palate. <clears throat> yeah. Like, what you'd expect. But it's not... <clears throat> You know, think, it's not the most complex thing. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of scotch options. None of them, a lot of them are... It's, it's, a, good in, it's a good intro, I will yeah, say it, that. Yeah, it's not. It's hard to find a scotch at this at this price point. I, I think if I was looking like for one that I really wanted at this price point, I'd probably stick with Dewar's. I think Dewar's 12 years is probably oh, yeah. pretty similar. It's maybe like five bucks more or something. Um, so I don't, I don't know if this is exactly what I would go with, but... Um, yeah. You know, it's very smooth, cheap, entry-level scotch. If you're trying to get into the game, don't have a ton of money. Yeah, and don't want, like, utter bottom-shelf scotch that yeah. will turn you away from yeah, it. Yeah, it's, it's a good option in, the, in that case. 
All right, folks, that's it from us this week. Make sure you go over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or really wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe, leave a review, listen to every episode, share every episode of Distill Discussions, tell your friends about us, follow us on uh, Instagram. We really do appreciate your guys' support. Have a great week. Pour yourself another whiskey, and don't worry. We'll be here to drink with you next week.